Okay, First Corinthians 11. I want to look at just one thought from the Lord's table tonight. And um, <clears throat> I think it'll be a help to you. It's certainly a help to me. First Corinthians chapter 11, verse 23. For I have received of the Lord that which I also delivered unto you, that the Lord Jesus, the same night in which he was betrayed, took bread. And when he had given thanks, he brake it and said, Take, eat, this is my body which is broken for you, this do in remembrance of me. After the same manner also he took the cup when he had supped, saying, This cup is the New Testament in my blood. This do ye as oft as ye drink it in remembrance of me. For as oft as ye eat this bread and drink this cup, ye do show the Lord's death till he come. Wherefore, whosoever shall eat this bread and drink this cup of the Lord unworthily shall be guilty of the body and blood of the Lord. Now, until we come to uh, verse 27... What we're dealing with is just a standard, standard ordinance. It's an order from the Lord. It's something we're to do to remember him. It's, it's just, you know, memorial service. We're going to remember the fact that the Lord Jesus shed his blood for us, and we're going to keep it before our eyes. And that's all very straight, straightforward. But then he kicks in the thought of eating and drinking unworthily. And he gets very serious about it here. Look at what he says. <clears throat> but let a man examine himself, and so let him eat of that bread and drink of that cup. For he that eateth and drinketh unworthily, eateth and drinketh damnation to himself, not discerning the Lord's body. For this cause many are weak and sickly among you, and many sleep. Now, he's, he's just ratcheted the whole thing up here now till it's a very serious deal, the Lord's table. It was just an ordinance. It was just, go ahead and do this thing in remembrance of me. But all of a sudden, it's become something that if you do it the wrong way, it's got danger involved in it. Serious danger, life danger involved in it. Uh, um, For if we would judge ourselves, we should not be judged. But when we are judged, we are chastened of the Lord, that we should not be condemned with the world. Wherefore, my brethren, when you come together to eat, tarry one for another. And if any man hunger, let him eat at home, that you come not together unto condemnation, and the rest will I set in order when I come. Father, would you bless as we look to your word tonight? Would you open it up to us, Lord, and help us to understand Uh, what it means in Jesus' precious name. Amen. You know, when you look at a passage like this, you you know, if you really take seriously verse 28 right down to verse uh, 30, 30 there, you know, this is such a serious deal that maybe we're better off not doing it. And, you know, the reality is, there are a lot of people that don't. There are a lot of people that avoid the Lord's table. You know, you announce the Lord's table and they're not coming because they, they, they avoid it because it's a serious thing. Uh, it's too serious, and they're not sure they're in the right place, and they're not sure they're right, so they avoid it. They skip it. There are a lot of people who will just pass the, uh, let the, let the cup pass on by, let the uh, bread pass on by, because it's a serious deal. They don't want to be in the wrong pace, uh, place, and they skip it. They don't want to have it. And really, <clears throat> they're guilty, someone said, of the, of the sin of despair. I'm, I'm bad, I know I am, and I can never be good, so therefore I'm better off not partaking of the Lord's table because it's better for me just to stay where I am and not to, to do it. But you know, the problem with that is that they're getting the wrong end of the stick as far as this thing is concerned. You see, when it talks of eating and drinking unworthily, it's talking about the Lord's table. It's not talking about you being worthy. Realize none of us are worthy. We know that. Our theology tells us that. None of us are worthy of the body and blood of the Lord. None of us are worthy of salvation. None of us can, by any manner or means, either before we were saved or since we are saved, say, listen, well, you know what? I'm worth it. Because we're not. We understand that as part of our theology, that we're not worthy of it. We're not worth it. Right? So what are we dealing with here? 
We're we're not dealing with you being worthy. We're dealing with you in the way that you actually approach the Lord's table tonight. Now, obviously, if you were to come to church and you say, well, look, it doesn't matter, you know, I've got all these kinds of sins in my heart and in my life, you know, it doesn't matter to me. I'm not particularly perturbed about it. And the Lord's table is no big deal. Uh, I'm just going to go ahead and do it anyway. Obviously, that's wrong. You know, clearly that that, that would not be right for you to do. But what we've got to understand is that we can never be worthy. It's not a case of me doing right. It's not a case of me getting it right. It's not a case of me achieving rightness, because I never will. It's my attitude in this thing. And we're going to look at it from another side in a second. But, but, But here's the issue before us with the Lord's table. Jesus Christ came unto this earth to save sinners. The way he saved sinners was he endured the cross. He suffered the penalty of the cross for our sins. He paid the full price in all its gruesomeness. And he paid the price for your sin. Now, when he paid the price for your sin, there was no other way for you to be saved. Otherwise, God would never have sent his son to die. And that's why we have verses and we have the thought, for by grace he is saved through faith. It's by grace. It's by unmerited favor. It's by something you haven't earned. It's by something given to you of God that you never earned. But our theology missteps when it comes to us being worthy, and we want to earn the worthy. We can't earn the worthy. We'll never be worthy. We'll never be in the place where we're actually, where we've earned it, where we've, we've cleansed ourselves and we've made ourselves whole. So we need to understand that if somebody comes tonight and you're saying, well, look, listen, you know what? I am so far from perfect. I am so par- far from perfect. I don't think I could partake of the Lord's table. You need to understand that you're in just the right place for the Lord's table because it's by grace. It's grace that does it. Now, now don't get me wrong. It's not like you can say, well, sin is not an issue. It doesn't matter. That's not what we're talking about. We're talking about the place, listen, you come to the Lord's table and you recognize, I am needy, I am deeply needy, I am always needy. You're in just the right place for it. You're just in the perfect place for it. It's not a case of it, sin doesn't matter. It's not a case of like you hear people saying today, a new phrase that's come into our uh, vocab very recently, it is what it is. Right? Now what does it is what it is means? I mean, it is what it is means, that's the way it is, and there's nothing I can do about it, so you just have to put up with it. It drives me nuts, by the way. It is what it is. It's just a complete cop-out. You know, that's just the way it is. I have no control over it. I'm a sinner. That's, it is what it is. Nothing I can do with it. Right? Well, of course you can do something about it. You can avail of the grace of God, and you can confess it and deal with it and make it right. Listen, grace is a powerful thing. Grace can cleanse you. So if you come tonight and listen, you, you, you're looking at the table and you're thinking, oh, I'd just rather avoid this because... I'm such a sorry wretch. You're actually in a good place. But you need to go the next step. You need to judge yourself and deal with the sin. All right? Now, the other side of it is, one is the sin of despair. The other side is the sin of presumption. And I think we're probably much more guilty of that as a whole uh, in Christianity than we are uh, of the sin of despair. And the sin of presumption is this. I'm okay. I'm fine. I'm, I'm doing okay. I'm fine. I'm, 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 you know, I'm a pretty good guy. I, I get most things right in my life. And I'm, I'm doing fine. And I'm coming to the Lord's table, and I'm coming with kind of a proud, haughty spirit. I, you know, I'm looking around at other people. They need to get right. But I'm coming with this proud, haughty spirit, 
and it's not touching me. Oh, yeah, that's the, 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 the bread and the, and the juice at the back of the church again. Here we go with the Lord's table again. You know, I hope he's not too long in the message because, you know, the Lord's table can take a long time and it's hot tonight. I want to get home. Um, <clears throat> and we can very easily get to the place where we get the sin of presumption. And it's, I'm okay. And really, the heart of coming to the Lord's table worthily is a heart that comes understanding who you are and what you are before God. And understanding that in and of yourself, there is no good thing. Understanding that in yourself and by yourself, you're a sinner and you always will be. Now, I want to illustrate that tonight with David, right? David as far as I'm concerned, is one of the great characters of Scripture. He really is. You know, <clears throat> he comes with a humble heart to God. Listen, he gets it wrong. When he gets it wrong, he gets it wrong in technicolor. On, <clears throat> you know, he, he, he gets it wrong all the way. But you know what the thing about David is? When David gets it wrong, he gets it right again. David knows what it is to get it wrong and then get it right. And I think when we know how to get it wrong and get it right, we're, we're really beginning to understand grace. If we think we can manage it by ourselves and never get it wrong, we're in trouble. Right? Now, we're not going to look at all this scripture for, <clears throat> for time's sake. We are going to look at Psalm 51. But <clears throat> in, in 1 Samuel chapter 10, David is riding high. He is the man. He is defeating all his enemies. He is the guy with the golden touch. Whatever he t- touches turns to gold. You know, nobody can stand against him. You know, they fight against him, but they all lose. And David has established in a very short period of time, you know, an empire. People, the Assyrians are bowing down to him. The Philistines are bowing down to him. Everybody's, everybody's afraid of David. David is the man. You know, David is the guy who kind of rules his world for that period. And he's, he's, he's a great one. He's a great guy. And he's riding high. And in 1 Samuel chapter 11, uh, he, all the men are going out to war. And David doesn't go. He's, he hangs back. And he sees Bathsheba. And he commits adultery with Bathsheba. And Bathsheba gets pregnant. And he brings Bathsheba's husband home from the war. And he, he tries to make her, make her, make her husband go down and, and be with his wife so that he can blame the pregnancy on the husband. And when he doesn't do that, ultimately David says, listen, uh, Joab, I want you to kill this guy. Put him out in the forefront of the battle. Take everybody back from him. I want him dead. Right? So Joab does as David has said. And Uriah dies. Right? He's, he is killed. All right, right. And, and David gets away with it. Now, it would be interesting for us to work out how David got in such trouble. He was riding so high just the chapter before. You know what? When you're riding high, it's a scary time. When God has given you blessings in your life, it's a scary time. When everything's going well for you, it's a scary time. Do you know that you and I need trouble in our lives? Now, I, I hate God overhearing me saying that to you, uh, but we need trouble in our lives. You got trouble in your life tonight, you need it. If you hadn't got trouble in your life, you'd be in trouble. Much bigger trouble than the trouble you have right now. You, you, you need trouble, you need difficulty. See, I think David got bored. And a bored man is a dangerous man. My granny used to say, the devil finds work for idle hands. Now, it's not in the Bible, by the way. But you know what, it's true. He does. You know, you're sitting around doing nothing and... You know, David was supposed to be out fighting the battles, and he wasn't out fighting the battles. So, so the devil found work for him, and, 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 and the devil tempted him, and David went with it. And he brought a heap of trouble in his life. He really did. 
You know, in 1 Samuel chapter 12, Nathan comes along, <clears throat> confronts David with his sin, nails him to the floor from every direction with him, tells him what God's going to do. And you know what? God, David's not going to be short of trouble from here on out. God said, you know what you need, David? You need trouble. And God brought trouble into his life, and he's going to spend the rest of his life with trouble going on. And God's right. It's going to help him. It's going to, go, go, going to keep him in the right place. Right? But in Psalm 51, David writes, <clears throat> basically, his confession to God. Now, isn't that neat that he wrote it for us? Look at Psalm 51. We're going to go through it here briefly. I'm going to just make a couple of points out of it for you. Right? Psalm 51. There's another psalm he does it in too. It's Psalm 32, but Psalm 51 is fuller. So that's where we're going to look. Uh, it's a song of repentance. To the chief musician, a psalm of David, when Nathan the prophet came unto him after he had gone into Bathsheba. So David writes, Have mercy upon me, O God, according to thy loving kindness, according to, unto the multitude of thy tender mercies, blot out my transgressions. Wash me thoroughly from mine iniquity and cleanse me from my sin, for I acknowledge my transgression and my sin is ever before me. Against thee and thee only have I sinned and done this evil in thy sight, that thou mightst be justified when thou speakest and be clear when thou judgest. Behold, I was shapen in iniquity, and in sin did my mother conceive me. Behold, thou desirest truth in the inward parts, and in the hidden part thou shalt make me to know wisdom. Purge me with hyssop, and I shall be clean. Wash me, and I shall be whiter than snow. Make me to hear joy and gladness, that the bones which thou hast broken may rejoice. Hide thy face from my sins, and blot out all mine iniquities. Create in me a clean heart, O God, and renew a right spirit within me. Cast me not away from thy presence, and take not thy Holy Spirit from me. Restore unto me the joy of salvation, and uphold me with thy free spirit. Then will I teach transgressors thy ways, and sinners shall be converted unto thee. Deliver me from blood guiltiness, O God, thou God of my salvation, and my tongue shall sing aloud of thy righteousness. O Lord, open thou my lips, and my mouth shall show forth thy praise. For thou desirest not sacrifice, else would I give it. Thou delightest not in burnt offering. The sacrifices of God are a broken spirit, a broken and a contrite heart, O God, thou wilt not despise. Do good in thy good pleasure unto Zion. Build thou the walls of Jerusalem. Then shalt thou be pleased with the sacrifices of righteousness and with burnt offering and whole burnt offering. Then shall they, they offer bullocks upon thine altar. All right. Now, I've read you through the whole, the whole psalm there, right? <clears throat> now, obviously, David sinned. So what David needs to do about his sin now is he needs to make a commitment never to sin again. Right? Now, can somebody pick out the verse where he makes a commitment never to sin again? It's not there. He doesn't do that. Isn't that what you do? Okay, Lord, Lord, I got it wrong. I did it wrong. Lord, help me, and I'll never do it again. David doesn't do that. Now, why doesn't David do that? What's David's attitude in Psalm 51? Uh, basically, David's attitude is this. Right? Lord, I stink. I can't believe how awful I am. I can't believe how low down I am. I can't believe what a wretch I am. Look what I did. But, Lord, it's, it's not just this one thing that happened in my life. That's who I am. 
I'm just like that. I was, I was shaped in iniquity, and iniquity did my mother, in, and in sin did my mother conceive me. But that's what I am. I'm a lowlife. This is the king of Israel. The, the, the emperor, if you like, actually fessing up to the reality of who he is. Now, a key issue for us with the Lord's table is the fact that we face up to who we are. That we deal with who we are. That we're not good people who sometimes get it wrong. That the truth is, we're just like David. And it's the mercy of God in our lives that keeps us from sin. David's attitude is, Lord, that's who I am. That's what I am. That's the kind of person I am. And that's the kind of person you are too. You know, it's a hard thing to to bite the bullet on. There's no sin out there that you couldn't commit. Given the right circumstances, left to yourself, there's no sin out there you couldn't commit. There's no depths you couldn't stoop to. You say, well, I'm a child of God. Yeah, but you could still do it. You could still stoop. You could still do it. We're not good people. Now, it's important to us that we understand that because when we understand that we're not good people, we get a bit afraid of ourselves, and we need to be afraid of ourselves. We need to be wise about ourselves. Romans 12, verse 3 says this. It says, Let let a man not think of himself more highly than he ought, but soberly. You know, when it comes to the Lord's table, you can come to the Lord's table and you can say, well, I had a good week this week. I got most of the stuff right. I'm okay. I'm coasting. I'm sailing through. And you know what? You might have had a reasonably good week, but you'd be coming unworthily. Because if you had a good week, you know what? You had a good week because of the grace of God. Not because of how good you are. You're not better than somebody else because of who you are and what you are. You're better than somebody else because of the grace of God. And that means it's not you, it's him. So when it comes to the Lord's table, let's understand Listen, it's not that we used to be wretched people. But God saved us, and now we're not wretches anymore. No, we're wretches. We are wretched people. And it's only the grace of God that we draw on every day that helps us to be anything other than wretches, or to appear anything other than wretches. So the first thought about the Lord's table is, we need to come honestly. We need to come facing ourselves. See, the Apostle Paul said he was the chiefest of sinners. And I've looked in the Bible. What did he do that was so bad? It doesn't say. He wasn't talking about before he got saved, by the way. Paul was just constantly looking at himself and realizing, I'm a wretch. And you see, what happens is, why the living in the realm of grace... Or we're living living in the realm of works. I'm doing. 
I'm doing right. I'm getting it right. I'm living right. It's either that or it's grace. There's no power in works because there's no power in us. David showed what his works would do for him. It's grace that we live under. We live by grace. We walk by grace. We walk by God's supernatural enabling power. And we need to be honest with ourselves that we need it every day. Because you see, David forgot. It doesn't say, I can't give you a verse that says, and David forgot that he needed God, and so he slept with Bathsheba and created a whole mess in his life. But that's what happened. What David did was, David wasn't walking with God, David wasn't drawing on grace, and he messed up his life and his testimony royally. But he came out of it on the right side because he faced himself. You know what? One of the hardest things for us to do is to face ourselves. Face ourselves real deep down who we are and what we are. You know, stop trying to, trying to believe our own propaganda. Stop trying to make other people think we're nice, but actually face ourselves and believe and see ourselves for who we really are apart from God. We've got to face ourselves. Right? In order for us to come to the table tonight, <clears throat> we have to come humbly. Jesus Christ died because there was no hope for you. None. In and of yourself, there was absolutely no hope. It was impossible. You had earned hell, and that's where you were going. And Jesus Christ died. When we come to the Lord's table, we come on bended knee looking up at the one that saved us. And it's not that he saved us back then and he fixed us so we have no more problem anymore. No, he saved us. And he did a work in us that makes us fit for heaven. But you know the truth of it is, in and of ourselves, we're the same. The change is in connection with him, in connection with his Holy Spirit. So who you are, if you're getting it right at all, is because of the Holy Spirit. It's not because of you. You see, when, when I come to a works place where I think, yeah, you know what? I'm a pastor. I've been a pastor for 20 years. I'm kind of getting it right. You know what happens? I I get proud. And so do you. You get proud. Because it's me. He says, says, For by grace he saved through faith, not not of yourselves, it is the gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. Salvation's not of works, and sanctification's not of works, lest any man should boast. When we go to heaven, we're going to sing the glories of the grace of God in saving us and in sanctifying us. Because it's all of him. So that when we come to the table, we understand, look, oh grace, the Lord Jesus shed his precious blood for me because I had no hope apart from him. Absolutely none. We need to get honest with ourselves. We need to be honest. We need to deal with who we are as we come to the table tonight. Listen, I hope nobody here murdered anybody this week, all right? And if you did, I really don't want to know, okay? Uh, But you know what? I'm sure you've done things that weren't right. I'm sure you've actually sinned and grieved the Holy Spirit at times this week. 
Come facing it. Come facing who you are. Don't come like you've got your Teflon coat on you and sin never touches you. Come with a broken heart. Lord, I need you. Lord, thank you for the help you've been and thank you for the blessing you've been, but I need you. Right? Now, <clears throat> don't come making promises of what you're going to do in the week ahead. Because you're not. See what David does? David, this psalm is fascinating. He's, he says, have mercy on me, O God. Wash me. He's asking God to wash him. Um, he acknowledges this transgression against thee. Um, I was shaped in iniquity. He's not making excuses. He's just, this is who I am. Right? Um, purge me. Make me to hear. Hide thy face. Create in me. David is coming with the reality of who he is to the God that loves him and asking him to do the work. That's different than you making commitments to get it right in the coming week. You know, the truth of it is, you'll never get it right apart from him. You'll never get it right apart from God. You'll never work at it and get it right. It's impossible. We need to understand it's him. You see, David says, The sacrifices of God are a broken spirit, a broken and a contrite heart, O God, thou wilt not survive. Thou wilt not despise. The Bible says that God dwells with those who are of a broken and a contrite spirit. That's who God dwells with. That's where God dwells. God's, God dwells with those people who have a broken and contrite spirit. When it comes to the Lord's table tonight, you know what? Listen, what God is looking for from us is brokenness. He's looking for hearts that look at ourselves and see us for who we really are and deal with us. He's looking for hearts that are honest. You see, that desires truth in the inward parts. You know one of the big problems we have in being right with God? We're not honest inside ourselves. We're not honest about who we are. You know, we, we kind of spin a yarn and then we believe the yarn. And we believe we're okay. And the problem with doing that is that we're not being honest. Now, I realize <clears throat> you can look around this room tonight and you can pick all kinds of people that have done all kinds of things that are not right. I realize you can find all kinds of flaws and all kinds of faults in everybody else. But do you know that that's pride? That's pride. That's you being the judge. And that's you looking at the speck in your brother's eye and missing out on the beam that's in your own eye. That's what happens. It's, it's a sure indicator of what we're doing. You know, <clears throat> when it comes to the Lord ta- Lord's table tonight, there's only one person God wants you to deal with, you. He didn't say judge everybody in the room. He said just judge you. Just deal with yourself before the Lord. Just you deal with you. And you know, if we will deal with ourselves and face ourselves and be honest with God about who we are. I'm not talking about us being honest with each other. There's a place for that too. 
I'm talking about us being honest with God. Honest with God about who we really are. Honest with God about what's in there. Truth in the inward part. Not thinking of yourself above that which you ought. But actually facing yourself as we come to the table. You know what? It becomes a rich experience to us. Because we come to the table with a need. We come to the table needing him. Oh yeah, we needed him when we got saved, but we need him again today. We come to the table needing him, and you know what? He always fills the cup that comes needy, that comes empty. He never sends you away. But when your cup is full, what can he do for you? How can he help you? So, let me challenge you. Don't look on what you used to be and say, well, I'm much better than that now. I hope you are. I hope you're living a better life than you used to. That's, that's the way Christianity is supposed to be. But don't, don't look at what you used to be and say, I'm much better than that now. Look at what you are tonight in the eyes of a holy God. Ask him to show you what he sees when he looks at you. He loves you. But you know what? He sees you. He loves you, but he knows you. And when he looks at you, he sees reality. Not the varnished impression of ourselves that we buy ourselves and we try to get other people to buy. He doesn't buy that one. He sees who we really are. Ask God to show you how he sees you. And don't fight him on it. Don't fight him on it. Let him, let him show you. And then deal with it by grace. God's grace. Only Jesus can do it for you. Only Jesus can deal with it. Only Jesus can actually take the sin away and put you in a right standing with God. Do you know, you can come to the table tonight worthily. Not worthy. Worthily. But if you do, you'll come on your knees. If you'll do, you'll come needy. You'll come knowing you need him. Knowing, apart from him, there's no good thing in you and there's no hope. And if you do it that way, you can confess sin, you can deal with sin, you can walk away with the weight left behind and you can be blessed on the table tonight. <clears throat> now let me read you something, right? And... <clears throat> This is a general prayer of confession. And I'm not suggesting that you use this. It needs to be <clears throat> your own real confession to the Lord. But the general prayer of confession was first published in 1662. And it says this, Almighty and most merciful Father, we have erred and strayed from thy ways like lost sheep. We have followed too much the devices and desires of our own hearts. We have offended against thy holy laws. We left undone those things which we ought to have done, and we have done those things which we ought not to have done. And there is no health in us, but thou, O Lord, have mercy upon us. Miserable offenders. Isn't that hard to say? Miserable offenders. 
Spare thou them, O God, who confess their faults. Restore them that are penitent according to thy promises declared unto mankind in Jesus, in Christ Jesus our Lord. And grant, O most merciful Father, for his sake, that we might hereafter live a godly, righteous, and sober life to the glory of thy holy name. Amen. And let me just reiterate this. I'm not talking about you being perfect. You're not going to be. But nor am I talking about you making peace with sin in your life and saying it doesn't matter. It does. What I'm talking about is you availing of grace. Because you can't avail of grace unless you need it. And if you don't know you need it, you won't avail of it. It's need-driven. You do need it. I need it. But we need him to show us our need tonight. Let's bow for prayer. And right now we're just going to go, I'm going to pray and I'm going to leave you in the place where you ask God to work in your heart, examine your heart to show you what needs to be dealt with and addressed in your life. Now, I'm not thinking you needed to confess it to everybody. The Lord might impress that upon your heart. Um, But I'm not thinking you need to do that. I'm thinking just between you and him. Just confession between you and him where you would deal with your sin, not somebody else's sin. Not Don't get bent out of shape about what somebody else has done. You just deal with your side of it. Just between you and God alone. And come to the table worthily because you know you need grace. You need mercy. You need God to do a work. So I'll pray and then I'll just give you a few minutes and just in your seat between you and God, just ask him to shine the light of his spirit in your heart and to deal with whatever needs to be dealt with. And then just confess it, make it right between you and him. Father in heaven, thank you, Lord, for your word. Thank you for David. And Lord, we thank you for the the openness, Lord, of his confession in Psalm 51. Now, blessed spirit of the living God, Would you work in hearts and lives tonight? Lord, would you break us that we might come to the table knowing our desperate need and know that we might come worthily? Lord, where there's sin, oh, Lord, show it that it might be dealt with. Where there's hearts that are hardened and cold, oh, Lord, break them. Holy Spirit, you do the work of convincing men, not a preacher. Would you undertake and would you do it tonight in Jesus' name?